Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. And we're heading into summer. I hope where you are, you're having great weather. Uh, this has been actually a very good week for Michigan. And um, looking forward to having my oldest child, my daughter, Alexis, who's now 40 years old. Her uh, husband, uh, John Love, who teaches at Mount St. Mary's in uh, Emmitsburg, uh, they're coming with their eight kids this week, and we'll be spending a lot of time. I'll still be doing uh, the program, but uh, we may have some guest hosts in because I want to make sure I get time with them. But we also like to share a lot about reading, and uh, so that got me thinking it's a good time for us to get together, too. Next week, by the way, uh, excuse me, two weeks from now, we're going to be uh, at Acton University in Grand Rapids. So we'll have wall-to-wall uh, guests who are making presentations there. So that's coming up. Won't be next week. It'll be the week after that. So it's it's going to be a busy summer. And I wanted to make sure we had this opportunity, uh, where I knew we had the time, to actually open the phone lines and share. You ask you to share some suggestions for summer reading. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. That's one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. I do have some comments I want to make about. Uh, tonight's uh, primetime presentation regarding uh, the, the January 6th riots. But uh, I think I'll hold off on those until a little bit later, and let, let's get right to your calls now. one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We'll begin with Tim in Idaho, listening on Salt and Light Radio. You're up, Tim. Hi, Al. Hey, I have two uh, suggestions, and I heard them both on Salt and Light Radio. Yeah. The first is The World According to God by F.X. Cronin. Yes, yes. And I heard that one on uh, Coming Home, uh, with, uh, yeah, that that Returning Home or the Conversion uh, TV show. Sure, that's Come, on Coming there. Home, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Marcus yeah. Brodi. My, that's right, yeah. yeah. He, had, he had Mr. Cronin on, and, and it talked about using logic and reason and faith to come to uh conclusions about your the faith and god and and what's right and things like that so yeah it's a very interesting book good good the world according to god by is it fx cronin yes sir all right very good and uh we got that and, and on I have board. one other yeah go right ahead tim sure it's um uh Jesus, the Master Psychologist by uh, Dr. Ray Grindy. <laughs> My buddy. Yeah. yeah. Ray is great. And uh, I, I, that may be... I think he told me that that uh, was his favorite book that he's written. It is. It is yeah. a really fast read. Yeah. And, and wow, it's just to the point. And it really... He's, yeah, he's a genius about, you know, synthesizing and... and uh, you know, uh, simplifying Christ's teaching. Yeah, I, I think Ray Ray has got so much going for him. He is a wonderful writer. He's a great uh, speaker, and uh, he shows he's got great insight into uh, problems that people are facing. So, yeah, good. Jesus, Master Psychologist by Dr. Ray Garendi. Tim, thanks. Yes. Okay, you bet. Good talking with you. Let's uh, go to Denver, Colorado. We've got uh, looks like Jerry there listening on the Ave Maria Radio app. You're up, Jerry. Hi. Um, yeah, I wanted to recommend God and Reagan. Yeah. I understand that you've had this Paul Kengor on. Yeah, Paul's an old friend. Book. And that book, God and Reagan, may be the first book of his that I interviewed him on. That goes back a ways now. Yeah, the original date on that's got to be, what, 
uh, 1990s? I'll have to double well, check I and guess. see. Um, yeah. a, a friend of mine who's uh, 70 years old and a, a fairly new believer um, is, is does really um, digest books really quickly, and he gave it to me. And uh, so another one he gave me was the one called Too Many. Have you heard of that one? That's got Mother Teresa, and it's a profile of uh, several different uh, who, not who, saints, who, but but people with uh, by uh, faith. Yeah. Who's who's the author on it? Yeah, I'm gonna find that here because um, I, that yeah, I'm from Denver, and I'm listening on KRCN. But yeah, um, the um, the Kangor book. The thing I wanted to say that I'm getting out of it is that um, I'm gonna read Dr. Ray's. Uh, Master psychologist. I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Protestant. Yeah. I've got a Catholic church uh, four blocks from my house here, and they have a great adoration chapel, and I've been there. That's beautiful. You've got to be careful. You, <laughs> you've got to be careful. <laughs> I've heard your story. <laughs> so, all right. I have no qualms. I think my wife is uh, was uh, had a bad experience in confession with a priest when she was oh. up in third grade, so she's not coming back. So yeah. it wasn't any physical abuse, but it was just uh, he he crossed the line just psychologically. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So it happens. Um, but um, yeah, that one too many. I can't. I, I, it's just called too many. T o o m a n y. And I'm just gonna. I'm sorry. I I can't find it. So. All right. <laughs> By uh, the way, Dr. Ray, the master psychologist, I ha- I love him on the radio. I've never read anything of his, so I'll read that one. Yeah, that's very good. And, uh, you know, what's funny about uh, Paul's book, God and Ronald Reagan, A Spiritual Life, uh, it looks like maybe it was as late as 2004. I thought it was in the, the, the late 90s, but 2004, I think, is when it came out. He also had a book that followed up called God and Hillary Clinton, as I remember it. And I think okay. that that is, that is a book I never see anywhere anymore. But for a while, okay. uh, you know, because actually Hillary Clinton uh, grew up uh, United Methodist. And in high school, yes. she actually was, I wouldn't say on fire, uh, but she, she was definitely motivated by her understanding uh, of the gospel, which was kind of a social justice gospel, even in high school. But you might, this is something else. Here's something else that you might find curious. (laughs) Maybe it's a conspiracy that the book has been removed from everywhere. I know, right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, she she actually stumped for Barry Goldwater back in 1964, believe it or not. Hillary Clinton okay. was okay. was raised in a very conservative Republican family. Lots of interesting tidbits out there. Well, and just one uh, quick uh, note about the God and Reagan. I'm not finished with it yet, but yeah. just uh, it's helping me, and I'm 68 years old, just to frame this whole era, and I, I yeah. haven't read a ton of history. Um, to frame this whole thing, uh, there was this pastor, and he was uh, Reagan's pastor at the time, and, he, and Reagan, when he first started speaking, he was becoming popular, but he was speaking about fascism in the early 50s. And then this pastor said to him, you know, Ronald, you need to start speaking about the communist threat. Yeah. And then he spoke up about the communist threat, and uh, that was bad news in Hollywood. Yep. They didn't want to hear uh, yeah. the, uh, about the communist threat. So right. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's it was an it was an interesting era. He was head of the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, he, he was head of the union for a while, and actually, there was a communist agitator uh, within the union who actually threatened to disfigure him. 
Uh, and that also, heard, yeah. that also wow. pushed him in the direction of fighting back against communism. Jerry, thanks That's for the call. Piece of history, right? Yeah, there. you're welcome. Good talking with you. Oh, okay, thank you. The number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Outstanding uh, recommendation so far. And let's go up to Father Chris in Twin Cities, Minnesota, listening on Sirius XM. You're up, Father. Hey, I'd like to recommend the Word on Fire Vatican II collection. Oh yeah, um, sure. It's a it's a single book, even though it's called the collection. Yeah. And um, so much of my work, I encounter people from all different spectrums who have opinions on the Second Vatican Council. Yeah. But so often they really haven't read much. They've only right. heard the impressions from other people. And this is written in a way that everyone, including me, can understand. Yeah. And uh, Bishop Barron uh, writes the foreword, and it includes all of the post-Vatican II popes their comments on the council. It's a wonderful read. You know, that is a great suggestion. And I have to say, this is one that I've only seen, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in advertisements. I haven't, I haven't opened the book, but I will get my hands on it because I do think that one of the, one of the things, there are a few things that I think would help us if we could immerse ourselves in scripture but I think it, to immerse ourselves in the, the documents of Vatican II, you know, take a year off and we all study them, I think we'd be a whole lot better off in terms of our I, unity. I agree. I really <laughs> agree, Al. And I'll tell you what, the book, when you do get it in your hand, it, it feels good in your hand. It's well written and it's well um, uh, published. Yeah. So it, I, think, I think the listeners will really like it. So God bless you. All right. Thanks, Father. Got wonderful suggestion. And by the way, we're taking these suggestions down, these recommendations down, and we will have them available uh, on the website soon. How soon are we going to be able to have them up there, Bryant? You know, I know uh, you've got a busy weekend coming up. Can we get them up tomorrow? All right, we'll find out. Bryant will let me know when you can do it. one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Let's go out to Maine, where Patty's listening on Sirius XM. You're up, Patty. Yeah. Yes, hi, I love your program, by thank the way, you. I've been listening for years. Well, thank you. Um, so, the truth about purgatory yeah. and the means to avoid it. <clears throat> it's by um, Father Martin Jugi, J-U-G-I-E. I just started reading it. I was actually just over on the main seacoast before a thunderstorm was starting. Yeah. And it's just something that I can understand. I love the spirit that it's written in. Yeah. I lost my husband in January, and I've been, you know, praying so hard for him. But Good. Um, it really brings things home. And yeah. it was recommended by uh, a priest, a holy Franciscan priest who wanted all of his people to get a hold of it and read it. You know, thank you for bringing this up. This is, uh, I think Sophia publishes this, right? You're yeah. correct, yeah. yeah. We did, We have not done it yet. Brian, we need to get this on the list. And uh, I do not know uh, Martin, uh, but I will get it on our schedule too, because it does look like the kind of book we'd love to discuss here. The topic of purgatory yeah. has been neglected. Uh, for yeah. quite a few years in American Catholicism anyways. And it, it really is. It's part of the faith, um, you know. So we, we need to make yeah. sure people are aware. Uh, you know, we, well, there's much more I could say about it, but I hear the music coming up. 
I okay. really thank you so much, uh, Patty. And uh, sorry to hear about your husband's passing. So well, he's a good man. He's with the Lord. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Glad to hear Bye. that. I'm Al Cresta, and we're doing something a little unusual today. We're opening the phone lines for you to share your summer reading suggestions. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for joining me today. We are opening the phone lines and asking you for your suggestions for summer reading. And I, I did, I was able to clarify with Brian during the break here. We will have the full list available by end of day, uh, by 8 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time. It'll be there on the website. Now, we won't have all of them in the online bookstore by then, but we'll have at least a list up for you. So that'll be... After the program, he'll get started on it, and it'll be done by 8 Eastern Time. We're looking at your recommendations for summer reading, and the number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Let's go to Father Gerald in Ann Arbor. Good to have you, Father Gerald. Good to hear from you. Al, it's great to, great to talk with you. I miss you, brother. And Yeah, we don't see each other much anymore, but uh, yeah. I'm with you in spirit, believe me. Hey, um, I was, uh, the thing that made me think about this is I was taking a walk with my uh, godson, who's only 19 years old, and I was talking with him about these, these miracles that are within the Eucharist when, ha- when transubstantiation, transubstantiation occurs, and he was understanding what I was saying. So I'm recommending this book that I read. I'm, I've been giving out copies to people by a book by Reinhard Huter, mm-hmm. uh, Huter called um, Aquinas on Transubstantiation. Yes. <laughs> I have it. I have not read it. It oh my, is it is rich. Really great. Yeah. Oh, it's, now it can be a little technical for some people, but you know, especially with uh, the crisis of uh, faith in the Eucharist, uh, if more people maybe exerted themselves to understand, you know, the categories of Aristotle's substance and accident, yep. it's not really difficult, actually. No. Uh, that's that would be the the sort of prerequisite mm-hmm. for the for the book, but it's otherwise it's just. It's mind-blowing, and it's not very big. It's very short. Yeah. He is, um, he is, a, he is both does dogmatic theology and philosophical theology as well, and so he really is big on reason, on the, uh, you know, using reason and making right. sure that the, it, he's, he's integrating faith and reason throughout the other work that I've seen him do. And, uh, but I will definitely get this one up to the front of my bookshelf, uh, how many pages is it? Do you know? Oh, it's it's I I I can't remember, but it, I remember how you know how thin it is in my hand. Yeah, so gotcha. I think maybe 120, 130 yeah. pages. Yeah, that's good. Maybe it's one hundred fifty. It, it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. No, very good. Can I mention one other thing? While please please do. Yeah. Really quickly, because I have read not the whole thing of this, but parts of it. There's another. And Catholic University of Press, by the way, who publishes Aquinas on Transubstantiation, has done been doing a lot of really really great work. They publish a lot of great books. And they published a book recently called um, The Complementarity of Men and Women, uh, which touches on some gender ideology issues. Right, right. It's edited by Paul Vitz. Yes, and, um, yes. It's got some really great essays in there. Paul and Vitz. So I'm recommending, you know, that and also just people that people be aware of Catholic University of America Press. Yeah, uh, great suggestion. Paul Vitz uh, is, is a psychologist that I met many yeah. years ago. 
Yeah. Um, and he, he and his wife, they actually live in Greenwich Village, or they did <laughs> when, wow. I, when I knew them. Wow. Uh, he did a book. I met him w- when he did a book for Erdman's, uh, this is back before I was Catholic, called uh, Psychology as Religion, The Cult of yes. Self-Worship. And yeah. that was my first acquaintance with him. And he a modern classic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is good. I, complementarity uh, of uh, yeah, something like the complementarity of men and women. Gotcha. Yeah, here it is. Complementarity of women and men: philosophy, theology, psychology, and art. Paul Vitz. It's funny I hadn't seen that one yet. So thanks. That's a good one. Yeah, I'll All get right, my hands brother. on it. All right. Thanks, Father. Take care. We'll talk, Father Gerald, there in Ann Arbor. Um, Again, uh, at uh, Father Gerald at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, excuse me, St. Thomas the Apostle uh, in Ann Arbor, and uh, does uh, just an extraordinary form with the uh, the traditional uh, Latin Mass, which I know is a general term, but you get the idea. Uh, Let me continue here. We've got uh, Kathy in New Jersey uh, listening to us, and I'm not sure how, but it's good to have you with me, Kathy. Thanks. Hi, Kath. You on with me? Yes. All right. Let's talk. Um, the book that I read a couple summers ago is by Jody Pukult, mm-hmm. and it's called Small Great Things. Oh. It's an amazing book, and it really has a lot to do with things that are happening in America today. Really? Um, ethical things. Um, I'm a NICU nurse of 40 years, Yeah. and I just really enjoyed reading the book. You know, I know I. This is a. She's a very prolific uh, author, and I know her as a novelist. Is is that what? Does she is she a novel? Is this? Yes. Yeah. And I'm trying yes, to remember. It's a novel. Somebody had me um, many years ago. I did read one of her books, and I'm trying to recall now which one it was. It might have been My Sister's Keeper. I think that was it. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah. That's one of her books. Also. Yeah. So tell me about this one. Small great things. Now, I read it a couple summers ago. Yeah, I read it a couple summers ago, and I can't honestly remember. It's about a premature baby. Um, there may have been drugs involved with it. Yeah. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, with the whole abortion situation going on, yeah, yeah. I, it really gets me very upset. Yeah. I took forty years of trying to save these tiny innocent babies. Yep. Um, at any stage of their life, and it just upsets me so much that people don't really care. They don't see yeah. it as a baby from I conception know. on. I know. And even just the thought of somebody trying to abort a baby as it's being born, yeah, just it just gets me so upset. I I can see why it contradicts everything you stand for. Not just Absolutely. your not just your opinion, not just your conviction, but your life's work. It's a repudiation right. of your life's work, so I can I yeah. uh, I can understand. Yeah. Wow. Well, Kathy, thanks. Uh, Small great things by Jody Picoult. We'll put that on the list. Yeah, appreciate it. It's a great book. Enjoy it. Take care. Bye bye. One eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. Let's see. We'll continue here. We've got Steve on the road in uh, looks like in Western Kansas, listening on Sirius Satellite Radio. Hey, Steve, you there? Yes, I sure am. How are you, Al? I'm doing well. Yeah, very, very well, in fact. Good. I'm what can we talk? Enjoying listening to you as I I travel across the high plains in western Kansas. So. Okay. 
I'm enjoying being with you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so just two books came to mind. The one author, two books, it's Eric Metaxas. Yeah. The which, uh, which ones do you recommend? Ooh, are we losing him? His seven men and the secrets of their greatness. Okay, seven uh, men and the secrets of yes. their greatness. That one I recognize. Yeah. Was there another one though? Because you dropped out for a moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. The other one is called uh, "A Fish Out of Water." Okay. And it's it's just it's really more a memoir of his, but it's just really entertaining. I mean, it's so identifiable. Uh, it starts kind of out as his as a young kid growing up and kind of his walk towards faith and but just really entertaining in in the middle yeah uh, but but yeah so they're just just great books and then well he he Eric is uh, I've known of him we've interviewed a few times together he is an outstanding communicator I'm sorry what was yes. that. Yeah. Yes, he is. I mean, so so much so that I went back and found that that uh, prayer breakfast and just really. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I can remember. That's when he came to national attention in a big way. He was already well known within evangelical Protestantism, um, but the uh, the prayer breakfast where he confronted President Obama that that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you're breaking yeah. up on me a bit, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to move on. But uh, thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing. Okay? All right. You're welcome. Thank you for your show. Thank you. The number again is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five, and we'll go to Jane in Indiana. Good to have you, Jane. What can we talk about? Well, I thought we had Jane there. Let's see. Yes, I'm here. Oh, good. Good. There you are. Let's talk. Yeah, I'm on the road in southern Indiana. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, we just had friends from Redeemer Radio uh, up here in Ann Arbor. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, so, yeah, they Fort good, good, Wayne, good. you know, in South Bend. So. Yes, yeah. Um, I had a couple I wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, that last gentleman mentioned, Eric Metaxas, his Bonhoeffer book is awesome, too. Yes, I've read it. It but, is. It's very, yeah, very too. good. I really enjoyed that. But um, I read one entitled um, Fiction. Uh, it's just a novella, really easy to read in one evening. You can read it, but it was so beautifully written, uh, entitled The Silent Silent Angel. Yeah. And it's about the uh, Armenian genocide. Oh, and yeah. Like I say, it's fictitious, but it, um, it's just really a beautiful story of how some really strong women helped save the faith, you know. Yeah. And um, just loved it. And then, if you want something a little bit heavier, I'm I'm older. I'm a five year convert, okay. you know. Yeah. And I'm I'm always looking to learn more. And I wanted to read City of God by Augustine. And I thought, forget this. I, I just can't. <laughs> it's much too much for me. But then I heard that there was a new compilation of let's say, the best of City of God, yeah. um, edited by um, Hans Urs von Balsavar. Okay. It's like topic, topically 
uh, put together. It's so easy. Uh, I gave it to one of our seminarians here in Indiana. I just sent it to him not too long ago to read this summer. But but also, I think he could just put it on the shelf, you know, and go, anybody studying theology, you know, and you want to look up a little bit of Augustine, it's real easy to use. Yeah. Uh, but very, very rich, and and, and, and I really enjoyed that, well, that's believe a, it or not. Great great suggestion, by the way, um, because I many people, when they see the size of uh, Augustine's City of God, they, they, their knees uh, begin to quake, you know, uh, and they think, yes. I'll, never fin- I'll never finish that. So a good edited yeah. version. Does, uh, does uh, Balthazar offer some commentary along the way? Just footnotes. Uh, okay. No, mostly just footnotes. Okay. And, you know, there's a pretty good introduction and everything, but, but um, no, not not so much, too much yeah. know, commentary, just, just putting it together. Years you know, ago. Splitting up and splitting up different segments, you know, and just taking out the best of it, you know. Yeah. But, but it's worthy of putting on your shelf, I believe. Very good. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. I love that you do this every year. I always catch it, and it was very much to do with your radio show that I came back to the Catholic Church. Well, praise God. I'm glad to hear that. It is a great encouragement to know that, too, Jane. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I'm Al Cresta. We're going to continue conversation at 1-877-573-7825. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Taking your calls today because we're compiling our summer reading list. We'll have it posted on the website around 8 o'clock tonight. I am told, and so uh, we won't have all the books in the online bookstore, but we will have them available at least for you to uh, have the list. And um, again, just asking you to share with listeners to Chris in the afternoon the the titles that you think are edifying, that stimulated your thinking, um, you know, drive you into a deeper relationship with Christ, make you more aware of what's happening culturally, uh, how to bear witness uh, to the kingdom of God as we're very much immersed here in the city of man. So the number is one eight seven seven five seven three seven eight two five. We'll go to Florida right now, where Maureen's listening on the Ave Maria radio app. You're up, Maureen. Hi. Hi. So I'm here in the villages, Florida. Oh, okay. And Good. I just drove home, so I'm in the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've switched from Sirius Radio to I'm about to go to Alexa. Um, But anyway, my recommendation is, um, and your call screen has said that you guys have talked about it recently, was um, Mark Twain's Joan of Arc. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It came across my radar recently and very powerful. Yeah. He, you know, literary uh, historians are absolutely baffled um, because he, he said that was his favorite book that he'd ever written that was he thought that was the his favorite book and yet and, and he, he does it towards the end of his life and actually right. in terms of his spiritual trajectory uh that he's not really um at that time in his life he's not really settled in terms of the christian faith he's he's kind of kicking against the goads uh, there was a period in his life uh, when he first moved to Hartford, uh, Connecticut, and married um, uh, Livy that uh, he was almost 
thought he was living heaven on earth. But uh, this is towards the end of his life. And I cannot, I just talked to Gary Scott Smith the other day, who had written a whole book on Mark Twain, the spiritual life of Mark Twain. And Oh, yes. And he can't. And he says, you know, he's he's scoured the literary world to see if people can explain how Joan of Arc really fits in with Mark Twain's, you know, worldview. And it remains one of the most fascinating literary que- questions in American literary history. But I, I also I have not read it, but I have heard that it is superb. It's my understanding that he actually went to France yeah. and stayed there for a number of years yep. and read through all the court trials. Yep, that's and true. And so most of what you're reading is, is what's written yep. in, in the documents. But what was so fascinating was how with his literary talent, he wove it into such an engaging story. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's we just talked about this the other day. So I'm I'm glad you mm-hmm. called. It's uh, it puts an exclamation point on the interview I did with Gary the other day. So thank you. You're welcome. God bless you and keep up the good work. Thanks, Maureen. Yeah, I appreciate hearing that. Let's continue with your call. Go to Pete in Arizona, who's listening on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. Pete, you're up. Hello. Hi, Pete. You're on the air. Ah, uh, uh, very good. I have two books to recommend. Yeah, please do. New. Okay. The first one is titled "The Art of Dying: A New Annotated Translation," uh, uh, translated from Middle Middle Age language to modern language by Brother Columba Thomas. Yeah. And published by the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Yes. Interestingly, oh, I hadn't present, seen that yet. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I did a book report to my Knights of Columbus Council on it, and the pastor was so uh, excited that he ordered 10 copies for the <laughs> uh, parish gift shop. Well, that's thanks Anyhow. for... Yeah, I'm glad you put it on my radar. We will uh, make sure we get a copy of it and then probably do an interview on it, too, because that sounds... Uh, National Catholic Bioethics Center is publishing it because they know that uh, end-of-life issues are important uh, and will continue to be important for Americans as baby boomers get older. And uh, unfortunately, American culture has lost this idea of the art of dying well and the idea of a happy death. So we need publications like this. It's uh, It presents five temptations that are presented to the dying person at the hour of death and how to overcome them either by the person uh, or by those caring for the person. But it also uh, presents the risk that modern medical technology poses to uh, the act of dying by interfering with the spiritual preparation that is so necessary, including the reception of the final sacrament. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've got a. Someday I'll tell the story. Kind of a funny story. My mother uh, died this year in early January, and uh, sorry to hear it. Yeah, she she had. She was you know, ninety years old. So I mean, she'd had a, a very full life. But uh, I wanted to make sure that she, of course, received the sacrament before she died. 
And just the, the funny conversation I had with the hospice people who were there, very nice people, but <laughs> I, I'll, I, I won't go into detail, but it's worth pointing out that when I, I told the hospice people that uh, my mother, you know, had lived as a Catholic all her life, she was very clearly wanted to make sure she received the uh, the sacrament of anointing at the end of her life, and uh, she's still alive. And so the, the uh, kind of chaplain who they sent over said, well, I can do that. <laughs> I said, well, um, well, you know, this is this is done by a Catholic priest. And he says, oh, yeah, I was one for 25 years. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. And, yeah. And, I, and so I, I started asking questions. I said, um, oh, okay. Well, I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, would that, would it be a valid sacrament then? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, um, okay, would it be a licit sacrament? And then he stopped and said, you know what, I think I'll call St. Rita's. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we ended up, with the, really by the grace of God, um, the, the pastor at St. Rita's came over within 15 minutes. It was just beautiful. And anyways, that's why, you know, the, the funny, Catholics need to know what's at stake uh, in the the sacrament of anointing and um, the art of and also the dying. final uh, confession and yes. viaticum. Yes, yes, uh, that's very good. We'll have that, and we'll talk about it on the air too in the future. Okay, and the second book I recommend is titled "A Hiker's Guide to Purgatory." It's a novel by Michael Norton, and it's published by Ignatius Press. This is also in the category of of end-of-life issues. It concerns uh, the journey of a man through purgatory after his death, and his journey takes the form of an extended backpack uh, trip, hence the title. (laughs) And uh, it's very well written, very interesting, has none of the fire that's uh, suggested by classical accounts of purgatory, uh, but nevertheless, the the protagonist has to come face to face with all the sins he committed and the consequences of those sins, and have all of that uh, essentially burned out of him by the love of God as he's making his way through purgatory, and finally getting close to heaven. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. That sounds great. It's a novel. Uh, Author is Michael. It's a fictionalized account. It's subtitled A Novel, but The Hiker's Guide to Purgatory is published by Ignatius, and that's where I purchased it. Pete, thanks. Uh, Good suggestions. And uh, I see you're from Arizona, and tomorrow we've got uh, Don Critchlow joining us from Arizona State University. We're going to analyze uh, tonight's uh, primetime January 6th uh, presentation, whatever that's going to be like. So, oh, so got, <laughs> that's Yeah, sim, we have similar uh, feelings about this. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, I'm, I am avoiding the, the circus. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. To the best of my ability. All right, Al. We'll talk. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. 
And let's go to, uh, I think we got time. Yeah, we do. Let's go to Virginia. Susan is there waiting. Nice to have you, Susan. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Oh, okay. Hey, um, so I'm in Virginia, Coastal Virginia. I'm a retired substitute teacher. So I, I do, did a lot of work with youth, especially in Boy Scouts. I have three sons, and they're all in Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. This particular book I'm recommending would be, I think, would be a great read for kids, say, fourth grade on through high school. I'm 63 years old, and I read it, and I loved it. Okay. <clears throat> it is called This Tender Land. The author is William Kent Kruger. And the setting is in Minnesota on the Gilead River during the Depression. And four children escape the atrocities of an orphan. It's actually a school that was meant to uh, take Indian youth from their families mm. and indoctrinate them into the um, English world or the, the Amer- to become Americans. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But anyway, but so is, the whole story is based on their, they've escaped the school and they're on their way across the Gilead River through Minnesota to hook up with the um, Mississippi and make their way to St. Louis where they know they have a distant relative and they hope this relative will take them in. And um, God is always there in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the narrator who is a youth of about 12 years old, I believe, is very angry with God because of all the bad that has happened in his life. Yeah. But in the end, the very end of the story, I finally finished it a few days ago, the whole uh, statement of, you know, God will provide. Mm -hmm. At the end, it kind of hit me in the face, like, yeah, God provided for them. (laughs) They met a lot of trials. Their journey, that long journey in a canoe, on the river, yeah. and only actually the the narrator makes it to St. Louis. The others did, uh, basically bail ship in Minneapolis and stay there. But the whole time, with all their trials, God was always there providing for him. Yeah, and I and the narrator didn't realize it. the The character who plays the narrator, who writes as a narrator, didn't realize it till the very end. So it's really a very lovely story. It's a novel, and so it, it's. You know, it's fiction. Yeah, but God is definitely prevalent in there. Yeah. Well, and I'm. I'm not. You know, I, I. I just looked it up. I don't know this uh, particular author, but I can see he's really done a lot of uh, great work. I mean, he's a wonderful writer. Uh, I. I need to get familiar with him. Uh, yeah, I love his stuff. Yeah, um, he does a whole series of novels with a, a particular character, but and I've read all of those. But but this so this was my first venture outside of his normal um, particular strain of writing, and and he really did a lovely job, okay. especially when he came to describe certain because there was sexual abuse on mm-hmm. these kids, okay. but he didn't point that out. He right. just used. Very delicate words. A child can read this. Mm-hmm. They may not figure out what's going on, but an adult would understand yeah. what was happening. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, this would definitely be a, lo- a really nice uh, novel for youth to read. But like I said, you know, if, if any adult wants to escape what's going on in the world today, that would be a nice thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice respite. This yeah. Tender Land, a novel by William Kent Kruger, is that right? 
Correct, yes. Okay. Very good. Thanks. Well, uh, I'm putting that well, actually on you. my list because this is somebody I don't know, and I'd like to know him. Sounds good. Well, he he's, lives up in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, he writes a lot about the Native Americans up there, so okay. it's really sweet. All right. But thank you for everything you do. I appreciate well, it. Well, thanks so much, Susan. God bless you. I'm Al Cresta. We continue looking at uh, your choices uh, to help one another. I mean, this is a way kind of encouraging one another, right? Edifying one another, building one another up uh, by recommending books that you think uh, help, again, deepen our faith, uh, make us more sensitive to the culture we're living in. We'll be right back.